There is no error with your audio outputs. Do not attempt to fix any sound issues. We are monitoring you with this device. We control your options and settings. We are transmitting through your internet connection, but our signal is actually entering your mind, sending electrical impulses into the very tissues of your brain. Try to stay calm. We've taken over your senses for the duration of this broadcast. You are helpless to resist. We have taken control for your own sake. There are things you must know. This is Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. And welcome to another splintacular, splendiferous, and just absolutely amazing Paranoia Podcast. I am Olaf Phillips. I am the publisher, uh, sometimes writer, maybe a researcher for Paranoia Magazine. Ron? Yeah, I'm the editor-in-chief, and uh, the reality is Olaf Phillips ripped me off. He stole Paranoia from me about two years ago. did not. But, you know, I forgive him. I didn't rip you off. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Somebody else. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I'll rip you off. You no, know, I gave you a life. I gave you a lifetime uh, carte Mitch. blanche use of of uh, the trademark on your back. I thought That's that was pretty the, nice. I don't charge you yeah. for it. Yeah, I know. I like to flash it around once in a while, and I get a lot of good uh, comments. And you know, people inquire about it. Oh man, it's a magazine. How do I get that? Speaking of how do they how do they get that magazine? What's up with the uh, summer issue? This summer issue, I had some technical problems yeah. uh, that do plague computers, and mm-hmm. uh, I've had a little bit of trouble with it. It's done, but I'm just trying to export it. Isn't that s- stupid? I'm just trying to export it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Because well, I got it on a newer version than I have, uh, so I have to right. install the newer version to get the – and then my desktop, I have a very old – uh, Mac Pro. Yeah. But I mean, it works perfectly fine, you know. Yeah. But they they will not run uh, High Sierra on it, so mm-hmm. I'm having I'm having to use another computer that I haven't used for a while. So. Right. Okay. Well, I understand. But it's I, coming. It's coming. I appreciate any, any the now, communication now, there, buddy. I appreciate that. And yes, uh, I'm all gonna... of our fans who give us shit about it. It's coming. It's coming. It's a good one. I think we're it's we're gonna we're gonna call it the Ground Zero Special Edition issue because uh, we got some people who have got written Clyde uh, who actually were on Ground Zero in the past, uh, so we have quite a few really good articles in there, and uh, we're including gonna including me and you, of course, former I, executive I producer Zero. of Ground Zero. Hey, can I tell people about true. Ground Zero since I'm absolutely. The, uh, well, just to let everybody know, uh, Ground Zero was syndicated by Premier Network since about, I don't know, 2012. And, uh, well, we're no longer working with Premier Networks. Uh, we're under the auspices of the Sun Broadcasting Group. They're, they're an East Coast uh, company that's syndicating us now. And so we're really happy with that move. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. 
changeover. I uh, don't have time to get into it, but it's just a really better deal. Uh, for Clyde Lewis and I, uh, we're going to be on a lot more radio affiliates, which is great. So, uh, you know, stay tuned for added radio stations across the country. Yes. So it, it, I need to make it. I need to make a small announcement. So um, I have secured a special phone line to the dead, and I have gotten in, in touch with with the Macho King Randy Savage. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah. And I uh, thought he was dead. I thought Randy. He is dead, Ron. Okay. That's why I said I have a telephone to, to the dead. Oh, gotcha. Okay, gotcha. Okay. So since we're clear, so. Um, Listen to the end of the broadcast, mm-hmm. and you will hear the first part of a three-part secret message that you can decode for fun. Wow! Do, do people now, get hoping, a prize or something, or uh, you know? Let's just say that if you can actually figure out the the message, yeah, yeah, I'll give you a prize. Excellent. I appreciate that, buddy. It is you, you can give it to me when we meet a, at Contact in the Desert at the end of the month. Contact him. Yes. Come by. Say hi. I'll be at the ground zero table. Yes, you will. Me, You'll be helping out you and Walter Bosley. Special guest star Walter Bosley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll be drinking scotch. Uh, I'll be drinking tequila, but yeah, that's cool. Well, you were drinking tequila earlier today. That's why it's going to be a lively broadcast. Well, it's I, I took a long nap, so I'm good to go really now. That nap. You're okay now, Ron. Yeah. You were getting a little uh, a little loopy there. Yeah, I was. Well, it was. Uh, we're having some Mexican food and. Uh, yeah, no, I, get, I get it. I get it. And I had really, it was really good tequila too. It's the clear agave tequila alto, and. Uh, so we were like mixing it up with different things, making sort of like makeshift margaritas. It was great. And uh, so, yeah, it was a legit excuse to kind of get plowed and take a nap. And here we are with another. Now, what edition of Paranoia is this anyway? Are we like in our mid 30s with Paranoia podcasts, like 35 or something like that? Well, we have, I think we have two 36s. So okay. this is like 38, I think. Okay. <laughs> what the? It's shot. Yeah. What the well, hell you know, happened? You know, Josh, How do we get two 36s? You know, J- Josh Riggs, the guy who does the uh, the um, Appalachian Anomalies, I think he just changed the name, but he does a podcast. We got to get him on. That he. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. Fascinated, yeah, he's fascinated by crypto stuff and weirdness and the Appalachians. Well, mm-hmm. I he he's a big fan, and, and I um, – I messed up the numbers. I said, oh, shit, I better change it. Yeah. <clears throat> and he's like, why? Yeah. Why would you do that? It, it, it is your aesthetic. And I said, well, that's true. Yeah, we'll so just skip 37 it. and just go to 38. And, you know, that, that, that that's what I did. Mystery number right there. People. You know what we should do? We should, we, should skip it. we should skip it and go to like 2000. And no, like celebrate no, our that, that's just way episode. too drastic. No, that's too obvious. That's just too drastic. Just we'll just miss it that's by true. one and and let it be. You know. You know I should. You know what I should use? I should use a random number generator, 
to number the uh, the episodes. <laughs> yeah, then you're going to really piss people off, especially. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Like OCD or something. You know, you're going to mess with mental illness. Yeah. So you don't want to do that. You know, because we have enough paranoia as listeners. it is, right? Oh, tell me about it. But we love you because we're paranoid too. That's true. You know, but you know, every time, every time I go to the PO box, I always listen. I listen to the door to hear the ticking. Mm-hmm. Before I unlock it, I check. Yeah. I'm like, mm, yeah, there's a letter in here. Uh oh, gloves come out. Well, you know, for years I've been really um, nervous, reticent about opening mail. And, and the yeah. reason for that is back in 2003 or 2004, when I used to put out MKZine, that was the mind control magazine that I used to publish. Uh, I got on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I got, uh, I opened up a letter and I pulled out the letter in the envelope and all this white powder came out. And I'm going like, fuck, what the hell's going on? Man, it freaked the hell out of me. I bet. And, and to this day, it was, it was sort of like I didn't even read that letter. And I thought, oh, fuck, I got anthrax. I'm going to die. And it was like I was uh, wheezing. And sh- I seriously, I thought, oh, this is the end, man. I hear you. But... Uh, and I just, I, I was actually in a restaurant when I opened this up, and I just fucking left the letter there, left everything, and okay, I'm gonna <laughs> die within 24 hours. Uh, you left the letter? Yeah, I was just freaked out by it, man. And uh, so I drank lots of water, um, and within about an hour, or two, I, felt, I felt better. It was just, I was just like, I know I'm gonna die. There was anthrax in that letter. So, but you, but I still drank a lot of water. Yeah, did some pot, and then you were okay. Uh, no, come on, man. I didn't. I don't always smoke pot. I, I just drank water. Not always. <laughs> I just had distilled water, and uh, I, I may have taken a Xanax. Okay, you know, because I was anxious. But anyway, so to this day, when I open mail, very tentative. It's like oh I yeah, they open it up. Oh, I'm. No, for real. I'm, especially I'm especially Clyde's mail. Because like, th- he has some crazy-ass shit that he gets. So it's like uh, I always put like Clyde's mail like right next to his box and hoping that he will open it, but he never does. So it's like, fuck, I got to open it. So I don't know. It, it just, you know it's, it's just really something that has stuck with me for over 15 years now, and I have never gotten over it. You know, it's funny. You, you listen to the podcast, you get some chuckles, maybe even a snort. Yeah. Right? But the reality is, is that when you do run a podcast like this or the magazine or the research in general, on occasion, strange things happen. Helicopters, weird, weird letters, uh-huh. letters that make no sense, letters that are cryptograms. I mean, it, it, uh-huh. it, it's not a joke. They're, they're really... You know, when I when I drive places, I drive in random patterns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I do kinda, the same thing. Kinda I kind of walk and, you know, when I walk around town, downtown Portland, it's like, eh, I think I'm going to go down. Because one of the reasons is I think there is this dude, right, that is sort of like uh, keeping tabs Finding on you. Seriously, it's like. 
I'm not like, I everywhere I, I go. This, this guy is like this guy is like at a bus stop with his headsets on, like pretending he's grooving to music or something. But he's always there, and he looks at me, and goes, "Hey, how's it going? Hey, how you doing?" It's like you know, when I when I was the executive producer of Ground Zero. Yeah, I mean, weird, weird. We should do a show on that, like weird stories. We can get Clyde to come on and oh, talk yeah. about his mid bombing and having the having the the ghost hooker sit on his lap and all that. Ghost stripper. Yeah. The ghost stripper sit on his lap and all that. Yeah, we'll, we'll get that. Anyway, done. but we we have a very interesting guest tonight. Believe it or not. Yes, we have a guest, so we should probably shut up and actually interview the guy. Yeah. Yes. His name is Robert he is Preston. Pretty, pretty cool. Yes, Robert Preston is an artist from New York. And uh, a few years ago, when I was living in San Diego, um, he provided uh, us with some excellent art. It was the Low Nut series. I had I yeah, I co-sponsored a uh, art exhibit um, in San Diego. I believe it was uh, 2014. And um, Dan Fogler, the uh, actor, was there, who's actually from New York. And he was presenting the movie uh, Don Peyote at the time. But uh, I'd love to see that. Yeah. But yeah, Robert has some excellent, very intriguing artwork. Uh, he has the Illuminati series, uh, the Low Nut series. And he also has a, a tarot deck that's out that's very intriguing. So at this time, I'd like to say welcome to an exciting edition of the Paranoid Podcast, Robert Preston. How the hell are you? Welcome. Good. Thank you for having me on, gentlemen. <laughs> oh, pleasure's all ours. But uh, yeah, Robert mm. has always been uh, a very interesting guy because he has some very profound insights into uh, people who are in the limelight. And uh, so the, the Low Nut series is something that has always been extremely intriguing. And actually, we have the uh, original paintings in the Ground Zero office. And so when, when people come in and they're all smiling and they go, oh, hi, and then they start looking up and they see like uh, Mark Chapman and Lee Harvey Oswald and stuff, and all of a sudden, their face changes, and they go, uh, oh, uh, how, how are you today? Ron, Ron, I got to tell you, every time I go in that office, yeah. I'm looking around going, which painting can I steal? <laughs> yeah. They're that cool. Yeah. Well, and, book, and we have... Steal this book? Yeah, we, we got lots of interesting things. Uh, actually, I had it, you know, I had that artwork in the... Uh, paranoia store in, in downtown san diego and then it was he featured did. in the conspira zone he uh did. downtown portland and since we no longer have that it's just in the ground zero office right now but yeah uh robert we always get very uh in, like who 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 drew this it's crazy it's weird well, what inspired awesome. you to uh, do the the low net series well, you know, it, it's kind of kind of difficult to figure out where it all started from. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, I I had a newspaper photographer for a father, and he just 
would bring home all these weird stories, and and I I, I was raised to to realize that what's in the newspaper isn't necessarily what's important or or what's real, mm-hmm. and to kind of question mm-hmm. everything. And uh, you know, when you start, if you take any one of these stories and you just and you just immerse yourself in it, then 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 you 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 get to the point where anything official is a joke. You know, it's like any official story yeah. you can just you know, I may not know what the reality of any of these things are, except mm-hmm. for the, the great reality is that whatever we're being told is, is a lie, is a joke, you know. So, and, and you start to see patterns over and over again, you know, like the same sort of, the same sort of things. Um, and I think a lot of the whole low nut thing hinges on the whole notion of the Manchurian candidate. You know, is, is it possible mm to program people to be assassins, you know, and I don't really, you know, have, have the answer to that. Mm-hmm. I, I suspect that it's true that it, that it is because, mm. you know, a lot of these people, um, it's either they're, either they didn't do it at all or they're, or they're patsies or they were programmed to think that they did it. So, mm. you know, it's, it's really a, a, a curious thing because you just sort of see the same sort of things over and over again with these people. Yeah. Does that so make what, any sense? Out of, yeah, it does. But so out of, you were saying that you see patterns. So <clears throat> obviously you're, when you're painting, you know, I'm not yeah. sure what your creative process is, but I would imagine that you're immersing yourself in that lone nut for that moment. What, yeah. what is the, what is the, the biggest pattern that you see? Because remember, you're you're coming at it from a different angle than say I would, because I'm a yeah. I'm a conspiracy nut researcher, right? So I'm gonna, yeah. you know, I'm immediately gonna gravitate toward that. But you coming in as the objective artist, what what is the pattern that you see that's most shocking to you? <sighs> I, I think it's it's I think a lot. It, it there's a lot of weird connections. It's like there's all the serendipity yeah. where, you know, where you'll have like, uh, uh, you know, the John Hinckley uh, shooting Reagan and then his brother's going out to lunch with uh, Bush's son the same day. And, you know, all these weird connections with people, you know, like, uh, yeah. uh, you know, that Sir Hans had some weird connection to Arthur Bremer, who shot George Wallace. And, you know, it's just like these these weird back channel um, serendipities and, and connections with people. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of better examples. Um, well, but even oh, like Mark, Mark Chapman okay, and John Hinckley, uh, What's that? like a World Vision connection because Mark Chapman actually worked for uh, World Vision and then uh, John Hinckley's father, wasn't he president of World Vision at one time? I think so. And then there's the whole, like, uh, you know, catcher in the rye thing, you know, yep. which was, yes. uh, which was uh, Mark Chapman and, uh, you know, uh, was it John Hinckley, too, that had yes. that? Or, yep. Yeah, or I think something. Hinckley did, too. Yeah. Or you'll have something like Ted Kaczynski, and, and you'll find out that, that he, he was uh, uh, part of mind control experiments when he was 16 years old at, at Harvard, you know, and that, mm-hmm. that's not a conspiracy theory. That's documented. You know, they, they you know, they, they were doing trauma-based mind control experiments on this, on this, you know, this guy who was, you know, one of these math geniuses and probably, you know, socially 
you know, on the, on the autism scale somewhere and, you know, uh, take somebody that young and vulnerable and subject them to, uh, you know, trauma-based, you know, mind control experience. Yeah. He was getting the LSD. Lo and behold, he turns out to be the Unibon. I mean, it's, you know, it's just yeah. these kinds of things, you know, yeah. over and over again. Yeah. I've always been fascinated by the, by the weird interconnections just even in general, you know, the idea that, that you take Jim Morrison and, you know, his dad is an admiral who just happens to be in charge of the fleet that's in charge of the ship that goes in the Tonkin Gulf and gets fired on by the North Vietnamese starting, you know, the Vietnam War. I mean, it, whenever you delve into any of these conspiracy things, it's 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 never as simple as there's some guy, he lives in a trailer in the middle of nowhere and he's just nuts and he just decides to do something wacky. There's always these like weird interconnections and links to like famous people or organizations or there it's never clean, you know? Yeah. That whole, uh, that whole Dave McGowan thing with the Laurel Canyon, all those guys were, were Oh yeah. Children, not only military brats, but what ch- military intelligence brats. Yep. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Military yeah. intelligence. Office then, of Naval yeah. Intelligence. Well, and and then there just happens to be a, a, a super ultra top secret Air Force base at the end of the canyon up on the hill. That just makes yeah. you wonder. Mm-hmm. And the Air Force was involved in mind control experiments. So, you know, it just goes on from there. <laughs> yep. It's a but I would imagine... Thing. I would imagine you, you do see a lot of patterns because not only one of the things I like about what you do is that not only is it a, a, a portrait and the, the talent in making the portrait is, is good enough by itself, but you're also embedding iconography in the painting itself that is, that is uh, linked to the person. So it's not just a picture. It's a picture with various elements of iconography. So I would imagine you see a lot of patterns. Well, it's, it's interesting, too, because, you know, with the Internet being what it is, you can surface all the weapons. So with the Lone Nut series, I, I tried to paint all the guns. And then I, I would get these weird, like, emails from people. Like, I had some friend in social media, and she's a gun dealer. She deals with guns, and she knew all about the weaponry, you know. And so she's telling me stuff I didn't know. You know, she recognized all these weapons. And, uh, you know, yeah. there's, that aspect of, there's that whole aspect of it. But then, you know, there's this whole idea, too, of, uh, of um, um, that whole uh, James Shelby Downer thing where, you know, you get somebody that's kind of on the autism scale and they get obsessive compulsive about stuff and they start, they, you know, and some of it sounds really crazy, but then you get into this whole sort of ritual aspect of things, too, you know, that, that yeah. uh, you know, is, is this, are we being had? You know, is you know the whole the whole notion, and I think one of the one of the things that's caused me problems with all of this artwork is this whole notion of the revelation of the method, which is there the idea go. that just gonna that, that they want up. they want you they want you to know that they shot you know that, that that it was an inside job and this and that and the other thing. So so I I have to question myself as an artist. Am am I feeding the beast by by doing this? Because it, you know maybe this is what I'm supposed to do to, uh, um, you know, because the idea is behind revel, revelation of the method is that if everybody knows that they're you know being traumatized or whatever and they don't do anything about it, mm-hmm. then they're 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 doubly enslaved. 
so I have to question mm. myself, you know, am I being used to, uh, um, promote this stuff or, 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 or to, or to, uh, make people feel helpless about these things, you know? No, you know, that's a good question. Me. I mean, I, Go ahead. I, I've, I've struggled with that too. I mean, you know, because every time I sit down and I, tr- I try to write an article or, or I do some research on something, you know, that, <clears throat> that whole notion of predictive programming or the rev- the revelation of the method, you know, am, am I supposed to talk about this? Am I supposed to write about this? You know, the CIA back in the day with the A-12 program, I've said this many times, that the, they actually used UFO sightings to cover up the A-12, the predecessor to the SR-71. You know, you see the silver thing shoot across the sky. Everybody goes, oh, that's a UFO. The CIA comes along. They're like, yeah, yeah, that's a UFO. Absolutely. You got it, man. It's not an A-12. It's a UFO. And they pushed and pushed, you know, information in and, and they pushed people to do the UFO thing. And they made them all unwitting, you know, unwitting accomplices in covering it up. So, you know, I have to ask myself sometimes that if what I'm writing is perpetuating the problem. So I yeah. totally understand. Yeah, well, that's paranoia for you, right? Yeah, that's paranoia yeah. for you. And I think, too, the other thing that's happened to me about it is I'm kind of done with the loan nut thing because mm-hmm. it's too depressing. And it's yeah. just, and it's like, it, and it also, it just, they just keep coming. You know, I mean, if, yeah. if I got paid, if I got paid like a big chunk of money every time one of these nuts started shooting up, you know, I mean, I'd be, I'd right. be wealthy. You know, it's just, yeah. and, you know, it's like, do I really want to go down that rabbit hole? It's like that, like the, like that. Florida shooting, that school shooting when that happened, it's like, I didn't even want to read about it. I mean, I didn't even want to, uh, you yeah. know, because it's always the same stuff over and over again, you know, and it's like, you, you always, you always have the official story is always ridiculous. And then yep. you have, you have, you have your, your reasonable skeptic that ask reasonable questions and they're all dismissed as conspiracy theories. And then you have all the people that want to ban the guns. And then you have all the people that are screaming about banning the gun. And it's sort of like, it's the same thing over and over and over again. It's like, you don't even need to read the story. You know, it's going to happen. You know, you know, you know exactly how it's going to play out in the media. And then, you know, a week or so later, something else will happen and people will forget about it and they'll move on to the next thing, you know? So it's like, well, I don't want to spend life, my life reacting to these things. You know, I mean, I'm, it, it's, it's, you know, it's the same old thing over yeah. and over again. Yeah, and it seems like it's happening exponentially now more so. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up Dave McGowan earlier when he, you know, he wrote something about Laurel Canyon and all the uh, tie-ins with intel and military intelligence. But uh, he also wrote an excellent book called Program to Kill, the Politics of Serial Murder. And uh, he really spells out sort of this profiling and and sort of the... the, uh, original FBI profiling of serial killers, which really wasn't that accurate. And so that I think that's one of the reasons why he delved into it. Um, there was more to it than what met the eye, especially what the FBI was, you know, purporting. And uh, it's, it's, I think it's one of the best books around when you kind of get into the, the bigger picture of these type of killers. And, um, I would venture to say that several of these people didn't even pull the trigger, you know, so yeah. they were just set yeah. up. They were just patsies. Uh-huh. 
You know, there's a oh. uh, that that uh, that um, the Colorado theater, the Batman one. I yep. mean, that kid was like he was oh, all connected okay. to military. His family. Yeah. Um, you know, he you know supposedly he was this really smart, well accomplished kid, and all of a sudden he's dying his hair, you know, red, and you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite possible he didn't do it. At, you know, he had nothing to do with that. Yeah, and he was like uh, involved in some sort of a DARPA-sponsored program at UCSD or something like that. And uh, yeah, so and, and you know, it's sort of like where are the uh, where's the uh, video or photographic evidence? Especially yeah. in areas where there's actually video cameras and supposedly they confiscate the 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 film and they go oh it wasn't working or whatever at the time uh you know same thing with uh i think gerald lofner the guy that shot up uh that political rally where the uh, uh congresswoman was shot okay, it's yeah. like, where, where <laughs> you just don't see any type of photographic evidence or video footage and if you do, it's it's just sort of like very ambiguous. You know, it doesn't really show the person shooting. So that's why I'm skeptical about a lot of these things, because it seems to, to fit a, a pattern. And uh, yeah, but, you know, you know, Ron, I'm, I'm not skeptical of them happening. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know, I, don't, I don't have any. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. no, listen, I, I don't have any I don't have any issue with thinking that, that the guy walked up and shot her or. You know, he walked into the the theater and started shooting people. Uh-huh. What I'm what I'm more curious about is is how he got there, right. because in a number of these cases, you know, I again I, I take it at face value that the, these are the people who were involved. This is what happened. Okay, but aside from you know, aside from the the lone nuts, right? That's a little different. But in this case. You know, there's a lot of witnesses that, you know, it, it can be fairly well established that this is the these are the people that did it. But what's more curious to me is that how they got there, because a lot of these people that do this stuff, you know, some of them are a little screwy. Mm-hmm. Right. I grant yep. you that. But yep. some of them really aren't. They, they're, you know, they're perfectly normal. And then one day they crack. Yep. And and suddenly out of nowhere, you know, they're going and shooting up stuff. Yeah, that that's the part that perplexes me. Is it is the process by which you get to that point? Even if you're a little screwy, mm-hmm. you know how do you how do you bridge that gap from just being a little screwy to being being an assassin or a lone you know a lone nut or you know to carry out these horrendous acts of violence. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because I just uh, spoke to a, a person a few days ago who's an MKUltra survivor who had uh, uh, Delta assassination type programming. And she said, yeah, back in the day, they would just uh, intensely program an individual to, to commit these type of crimes. Now they can do it remotely through electronics by just voice sure. all technology. Yeah, they, they still have to have the basis of, of certain programming in, in the sense that, uh, you know, they have to be pliable enough, right, to accept the commands. Uh, but for the most part, if you just bombard somebody with all these uh, voices in their skull saying, you know, kill so-and-so, kill so-and-so, kill so-and-so, especially during their sleep, 
and uh, it just becomes so ingrained. It, it's just it becomes a natural thing where they know they're supposed to kill some, somebody. And so, yeah. according to this individual, they said that yeah, it's a whole new ball game now when it comes to people who um, uh, maybe haven't been intensely programmed like they used to, but they they just have a, have a certain type of profile to be able to. Uh, you know, do these type of heinous acts. So, yeah, it, it, it makes sense. I, I always felt that, you know, if you can um, verify that the technology exists and the motivation is there behind it, then most likely it is happening. But then again, that's like Robert was talking about with the revelation of the method, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I have a question about the artistic process. So, You've yeah. done a number of different series, right? You've got the one that yeah. I, I believe you did serial killers as well, did you not? I did. Uh, I did a, a cult cult figure. I did a cult series. Cult cult figures. Like, uh, yeah, and I and I kind of spun that into like a scapegoat series, which kind of ties into the lone nut thing too. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I what I try to do is immerse myself in in things, and and it can be just a really disturbing mm-hmm. process. I mean, I. Like I, uh, I tend to work at night. Like I was doing a, I was doing a Jonestown, Jim Jones paint, uh, uh, pastel portrait in the middle of the night. And I'm listening to Jim Jones, you know, with the tape of him exhorting his flock to, uh, drink the Kool-Aid, you know, in the middle of the night. And I felt like I was conjuring up this creature and, you know, he, and, and as you're drawing somebody, if you're drawing a portrait, there's always a, there's always a moment when the, when the, when they're looking at you. So I feel like yeah. I felt like I conjured up Jinjo's <laughs> and it was really creepy. Oh, man. It was just really creepy feeling, you know, um, you know, to do that, um, to immerse yourself in these things. And then things that are really disturbing, like I did a, I did a portrait of David Koresh and there's, there's this amazing video of him. You know, the FBI sent in a video camera and he's talking to people and he's making perfect sense. You know, he's like, this is my home and these guys come with automatic weapons and, you know, it's like, I'm sorry, but, you know, I mean, you know, he, he's kind of appealing, you know, he is yes. one of these where, um, you know, it, it's not like, you know, he was immediately demonized as this pedophile and this religious nutcase and everything else. But if you listen to him talk, you know, it, it, he's not, he's not being unreasonable, you know, to listen to. So, and maybe that's well, part too. of his charisma too. Well, Jim Jones started that way too, right? When he originally founded the People's Temple, you know, they were out there, you know, feeding homeless people and doing all sorts of social programs. And, you know, over time he got a little nuttier and then it it culminated where it culminated. Mm -hmm. But do we really know what happened in Jonestown though? That's the thing. I mean, do we really know what happened? Maybe it was an experiment. Maybe the whole thing was a mind control experiment. You know, maybe he was just a patsy too. You know, I mean, I don't have yeah. the answer to. That. I don't really know. And and we you know what you were saying earlier about programming these people to, uh, uh, you know, maybe the programming is to get them to think that that's what they're doing. You know that. Uh, you know, I think one of the one of the weirder cases is the is the Sandy Hook. I mean, that this scrawny little kid, you know, yeah. went into the school. Adam Lanza. Well, you know, I mean, it, you could really make a case that, that first of all, there's no evidence that anybody died in Sandy Hook. 
There's no yeah. blood. There's no, there's no photographs. There's not, there's no evidence that anything happened. I'm not saying that there wasn't, but there's no evidence of it. Right. And so, so you could really spin a bunch of different scenarios. You could say, all right, well, maybe there was a massacre there, but maybe some team went in and did it. And this kid thought he did, you know, he was a total patsy. Either he thought he did it or he had nothing to do with it. You know, it could be, it could really be a whole spectrum, a whole variation on, you know, you know, did, did Mark Chapman pull a trigger or was there somebody in the shadows that pulled? I mean, you know, maybe he thought he did, you know, or Sir Han, Sir Han too. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Sir Han, Sir Han claims he didn't do it. And, you know, the, the <laughs> evidence the evidence that the bullet came from behind, not in front. So, you know, maybe, you know, that, you know, it, the thing about these things, though, it, it really, if you, you could spend your entire life um, on the J, on the Robert Kennedy assassination, you could go down that rabbit hole and spend the rest of your life there. I mean, there's just so many layers to these stories. You know, the girl in the polka dot dress and, you know, the whole, you know, he fell off the, the whole, you know, it's just, there's it really is like you could spend your whole life on any one of these stories. You know, the Boston marathon story is crazy. I mean, what these guys are throwing, they're throwing uh, pressure cooker bombs out the window of the car. I mean, that kind of stuff. I mean, really, did that really happen? Right. I mean, what's, the, what's the evidence of that? You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that one really got to me. Cause I was like, uh, I was, I went into a pizza parlor in Hoboken and they had the TV on and they're interview all these Boston politicians are all patting themselves on the back on what a great job they did. And, you know, you know, how successful they were capturing these guys and everything. And you think about what happened in Boston, no matter what actually happened in terms of the, the you know, the, the shooting or the bombing or anything, you had a situation where you had two fugitives in Boston. They locked down the whole city. They shut down the public transportation. They shut down the subways. They had black cops, helicopters flying over Boston. They had paramilitary people with automatic weapons pulling people out of their houses. In, in Watertown, Massachusetts, and yeah. people are going, wow, this is great. You know, this is great. You know, uh, you know, isn't it wonderful? I mean, what if the whole thing was just a, 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 a drill, you know, to get people mm-hmm. used to the idea that you know, this is normal, you know, it's real normal. You know, we got two fugitives and we're going to just shut the city down and we're going to take people out of their house at gunpoint, you know, it's crazy. And people just accept it. They just accept it. And I and I'm not well, going to like here and touch on it. I know what happened. I don't know. I have no idea what happened in Boston mm-hmm. that day. I don't know. But I do know what well, the, like the, the, what the what, what, what the reaction to it was. You know, they've yeah. they've kind of programmed us at this point to to accept that there are drones flying over our heads. I mean, these are military grade drones, and they're yeah. they're flying around, and it's like that. Yeah. Oh, there's a drone. Okay. Yeah. You know, I mean that that part does bother me. Yeah. yeah. But I'm I'm curious how how you actually pick what you want to do. Well, again, I'm kind of at a, I'm kind of you know, uh I did it for a while intensively and then I choked on it. I just choked on it. It was just too mm-hmm. much, you know, it was just it was first of all it was it was more of the same over and over again and it was right. It just kept coming, you know, and it was like, I, I really don't want to do this anymore. You know, I don't want to do yeah. it anymore. Um, and, 
and again, it, it, it also comes back to this thing about, am I feeding the beast by doing this, you know, as an artist, you know, is, is, is this, is this the right approach to, to, uh, you know, dealing with these things? I mean, there, there are, you know, there are, there are stories that I've been, I circled around and, and like, like I, I didn't go near the Las Vegas one. That's a really crazy one. That makes no sense. That one's insane. No, that makes no sense at all. I, I haven't gone near that one. Um, you know, that would actually be a really good subject for, for a project, but I just, I don't know that I, I don't know that I want to go near it, you know? Um, but the son of do, Sam do you have a, really weird too. The son do, of Sam do you have a process? Sorry, go ahead. I, I think go what ahead. happens with me, I have this sort of, I have this kind of kinetic brain where I just, I'll, I'll see something and it'll stick in my head. And then I'll come back to it. Like I had this um, uh, years ago, I saw this uh, this picture that was on a, on a website or something, and it was a uh, Princess Diana in the elevator uh, the night she died, and it was a time stamped, you know, uh, sur- uh, just a it was just a surveillance vi- elevator video, and it stuck in my head. You know, it was one of these things where here's the most photographed woman in the world, the most glamorous photograph, this princess. And here she is in an elevator, completely oblivious to the fact that she's being filmed. And there's a timestamp on it. So you know exactly how many minutes she has left before she dies. And it just haunted me, you know, and, and I, and I eventually went back and painted it. And I, and I, and I found like five other pictures from that night. So I made a whole series of that. Uh-huh. And then, you know, you delve into that and that, and that story doesn't make it, you know, that I don't believe that that was an accident at all. No, Based no, that wasn't my an accident. Reason, I, that was a hit. <laughs> you know, I just yeah. do. Um, so, so it, it just kind of comes to you. Yeah. I just, I'll, you know, I, I'll just be surfing around and, and something will just stick in my head. Like that Elisa Lamb, which I was mentioning earlier, that Elisa Lamb thing, that was haunting because that's the same kind of thing. Like the, here's this, this, the dead eye of, of like this, 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 you know, camera in an elevator recording, you know, what, you know, the last movements of this woman, you know, it's haunting, you know, it's really kind of, you know, and especially the whole history of that hotel and the whole demonology yeah. of it, you know, it's, um, so yeah, these things kind of, kind of gripped me, you know, and, uh, and I try to get away from it, but I keep, I keep, it's sort of like, you know, the godfather that I try to get out <laughs> and they, they keep pulling me back in, you know, right. you'll, you'll see something and it's so, like, wow. So, you know, one of, one of the big problems being an artist, right. Being a, a fine artist yeah. is trying to get, get it out there and, and to show and, you know, there's always this perpetual sh- struggle to show, to show your work. I mean, have because of the subject matter of it. I mean, have you have you had problems with it, or are people attracted to it because of the subject matter? Well, you know, it's really hard. It's really hard for me. I, I'm not a trust fund kid. I'm not independently wealthy. Um, I, I, I barely survive, you know, and all of this work does not bring me any income. It doesn't, people don't buy it. You know, people are fascinated by it. Like I had, a, um, there was a little art center locally in New Jersey. Um, and it was an old, it was an old Catholic convent and they had all these little rooms in it. So I had a little uh-huh. room and 
had the six Diana paintings in it. And people were crying. I mean, it was weird. You know, they would come in and it was like, it was like the Kennedy assassination in that they remembered where they were when they heard that Princess Diana died. And people were just shaken. You know, they were sitting there, they were really moved by these paintings. And that, you know, that to me is on a certain level really gratifying, you know, it is. You know, but on another level, it's like, you know, it, 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 it's just, you know, people don't want to buy these things. Yeah, it's just not conventional. And uh, I think no. it's just so morbid that it's, well, it's unless it's a, a person has a certain personality, you know. It's accursed, right? You're, you're, you're painting about a, and a, a bad thing, and it, there's a yep. stigma and a cursedness to it. Maybe. But at right. the same time, you know, in terms of actually getting a reaction from people, you know, moving people or causing them to think or, yeah. or impacting them, you know, it's really gratifying as an artist to have that response from people. You know, they, they get really thoughtful, you know, and um, mm-hmm. I, I, did a, I did a whole series of uh, Vietnam paintings because I, I grew up with Vietnam. It was, uh, I'm, right. I'm 62 years old. So I'm 62 years old, so I remember every night the body count on TV. Like, oh yeah, I, I did still, too. Still, I remember that. We killed 2,000 of them today. And we only lost 53, so it was yeah. a great victory every night, every single night. And I remember yeah. like the Tet Offensive and how wild that was. You know, like 1968. Like, you know, you had the, all of that. You had the, the the Bobby Kennedy and Martin Luther King, and then you had uh-huh. you know the 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 Tet Offensive and all the riot. It was cra- a crazy, crazy time. Yeah. So I, I I had this idea of, of painting that you know somehow trying to capture it. And so what I did was I um, instead of copying people's photographs, I started looking at video, and and taking like freeze freeze frames out of video. And I really liked that kind of rough the rough quality of it like the rough quality mm-hmm. of the, you know, some perfect photorealistic thing. It's just kind of hazy, jagged video capture, you know? And right. so I did a bunch of paintings from the Tet Offensive. And uh, I, I, ha- I was in a show a year ago and I had, you know, five or six of these paintings on the wall and people were just really, you know, like uh, unbelievably moved by these things, you know? Uh, you know, anybody that's yeah. of our age that grew up with that, remembers what it was like and how and, and it was you know it was people were just really moved by it and it was very gratifying for me to to uh you know to have that reaction to have that experience from people but it's not decor you know it's not yeah. it's not something yeah. that somebody's gonna master their couch and uh mm-hmm. you know unless they're yeah. really a strange person so you know it's uh it's a you know it's a strange dilemma for me you know it really is right but i I also find it fascinating that, you know, I, I watch the stuff that you post and it's, yeah. you know, pictures of the ocean and, and pictures yeah. of beaches and, yeah. you know, lighthouses and the the yeah. factory, which is fascinating. And then the art is like diametrically opposite. Well, except <laughs> now this is, this is an interesting thing because what I did is my children live in Maine and I, I would eventually, right. I think like to live, and I thought, I mean, I can paint realism. I can paint anything. And I, I love, uh, I had somebody a few years ago ask me if they knew, they, if I knew anybody that did landscape painting. And I said, well, yeah, I can do that. 
So I started doing the landscape painting and I really enjoyed it. I really got off on it. It wasn't, I didn't feel like I was selling out. I didn't feel like, I, you know, I'm the kind of person that has a lot of different interests. I'm not interested in just one thing. Right. So I did all these landscape paintings and I had this gallery main that was really interested and, you know, and I had a few pieces in a show and it just like nothing ever came of it. You know, it was like this, this kind of thing where, okay, well, on a certain level, I'm trying to sell out. I'm trying to do this beautiful, you know, crowd pleasing stuff, you know, and I had, I had an open studio a few months ago and all the people, I had all these beautiful landscapes and people wanted to talk about the conspiracy stuff. They wanted to talk about Diana. They wanted to talk about, <laughs> I did a, I did a, I did a whole Boston gangster series. They wanted to talk about Whitey Bulger who had just all right. killed. And right. so everybody wanted to talk to me about Whitey Bulger, you know, uh -huh. and they, nobody wanted to talk about the landscape. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So, so it's this funny thing, you know, it really is. So, uh, but you know, I'm I, I you know I'm interested in a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. So the whole tower thing that I'm involved in, and now is this whole idea of like the power symbols, you know, which does relate to the whole womb nut thing. It's like you know, the Queen of Hearts. What is it? The Queen of Hearts and the Manchurian Candidate. You know, what what is the power of symbols? Right. What is the what is the power of symbols? So I just painted the tower uh, from the tarot using the World Trade Center, which is something I've wanted to do for years. I really wanted to do it for years. So it's like every generation needs to reinterpret their symbols. You know, what is, mm. you know, what is important to us as a culture or what is significant to us as a culture. Mm -hmm. But to me, what could be more appropriate? You know, it's like the Tower of you know, Babel being struck by lightning than the World Trade Center. I mean, that's like, that changed all of our lives permanently. You know, that, you know, it, what, what, what greater people could you have? For the, for the tower card than, than the World Trade Center getting blown mm -hmm. up. Did you create a whole tarot deck based no, on? No, I let go. I'll tell you the story. What I did with the tarot is I started this series where um, I thought I I would plug in celebrities as as the archetypes because that's the archetypes of our culture. I mean, people know who Kim Kardashian. Right. They don't know who their senator is, but they know who Kim Kardashian is. You know, right. they know who Madonna is. So I plug those people in. And I used some of the, uh, like there's a, there's a famous tower deck, the Ryder Waite, the Pamela Coleman Smith, the Arthur Waite deck. And I kind of used that iconography. And I did about, I don't know, 10 or, 10 or 12 paintings. And then I, I really started to feel like um, I was being too superficial, that I really did not have an understanding of the subject matter. I, I felt like I was being kind of a dilettante, you know? And so mm -hmm. I, I, I took a group of people and I really started to study the tarot and it's really quite profound. It really is. And so I'm, I'm kind of backing off from that and really, um, you know, uh, trying to be authentic about it, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the, 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 this, this new painting I feel is authentic. I feel like I'm really, you know, kind of tying into the symbolism of the card and the history of the card. And uh, so that's the approach I'm taking now. So I don't know where it's going to go. So the other thing I should tell you as an artist, for me as an artist, that, that for me, it's how I learn. It's when I start something, if I start a project, I don't know where it's going to go. And that's what I like about it. That's what I like about it. That's why I do it. Because it takes me places I cannot imagine. You know, it's like it has a logic of its own. Like you start mm -hmm. off somewhere, and then you end up somewhere completely different. 
right. the other thing that I really that I really like and appreciate as an artist is that this notion that maybe you're channeling things, maybe you're channeling something that's that's part of your your culture and your generation and your so mm-hmm. when I when I'll do a painting, people will see things in the painting that I didn't intend. Right. But they're there. They're there. Mm-hmm. You know? And because I had somehow absorbed that information and I'm, and I and it came out in the artwork. Right. And so it, it, it's it's not to say that that I by not intending it that that it, it, it could be that it is it is there it is real it is coming mm-hmm. from me but I'm not aware of it. Right. That's interesting. So hey Olaf, not to digress too much, but remember there was a, a guy that used to put out those conspiracy cards a few years ago. Yeah. I, yeah. I I have often thought that Robert Preston should put out like those type of cards, you know, with some of his artwork. I think that would be great. I think people would really be into that. And uh, oh, yeah. maybe we can uh, something like that, create these conspiracy cards with your uh, artwork, Robert. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to do that. They're, they're like yeah. baseball cards, you know, they're small cards yeah. and packets yeah. and stuff like that. And uh, they were well, really popular. I remember back in the day. There, Yeah, that was Den. Den is a comic book artist. He actually, he does amazing work. He, he did the, the Slenderman cover. But it, yeah. what's funny about those conspiracy cards is that he went to Conspiracy Con and he had a portfolio because he, he's a comic book artist. And, he, and he's a fine artist as well. I mean, the guy can make portraits you wouldn't believe. But um, he, I mean, he did aliens, like the comic books for aliens and a bunch of other stuff, um, the cover art. And uh, everybody was like, oh, these are great. These, this goes to what Robert was saying. These are great. These are great. These are great. And the first time he was there, I, I think he sold a bunch of them, right? But the second yeah. time he was there, he did a new set which was totally new, interesting, you know, whatever. And nothing, everybody would ask him questions and they gather around him and want to talk to him and touch him and whatever, but they wouldn't buy it. Hmm. It, it was the oddest thing. It, it really goes yeah. to what Robert was saying. The, the, yeah. then the, the conspiracy cards were insanely amazing, but right. nobody would buy them. Right. I mean, they did it first. Intrigue. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of intrigue. But I don't know. I think there's something yeah. about Robert's um, art that, to me, anyway, it's different. It's really, yeah, yeah, it is different. It just really stands out. And uh, we should give it a well, shot. The thing that, well, the, the thing that, that, that I find fascinating about it is that, I don't know, have you ever done like a coffee table book? Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, um, so a year ago... Um, this this gallery bought a, uh, a number of years ago. This gallery bought a bunch of my work from me, like they in bulk. They bought uh, okay. they bought a bunch of my paintings. I did a whole series of paintings on my father's photographs because he was a Boston Globe photographer. And I did uh, I they they he bought all of my cult all my cult series. I think actually you have, you might have a couple <laughs> that, that he didn't get, but he has all of those. And um, so what I did was uh, when I had my show a year ago, I self-published a book through Amazon. Um, yeah. And it was, it, it was really inexpensive to do. And it came out, the quality yeah. was really, really good. And it was just basically a catalog of the show 
with some essays. So if you want to see it, it's on Amazon. It's called Question, uh, Question Everything, Robert Preston. So okay. I've got a book on Amazon. So you can, you because can see that, it. I would think that that would be a very, very good uh, thing to do with your art is to do I think so, those kinds of books. People, they might want it. They wouldn't want it on their wall, but they might want it in a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's a guy named Trevor Peglin. He, I'm always fascinated by him because he's a geographer, and yeah. he, his whole hangup is the geography of black sites, and classified sites, and he actually, <clears throat> he put out one, and it's funny. I, I want to buy it, but it's, it's super expensive now. And the, some of the comments, like when you read the reviews on Amazon, they're kind of funny. You can tell when somebody like really gets it and you can tell when somebody really doesn't get it. And, you know, he has, because he, he presented it in an artistic way. And so like, you know, he has a photo of the sky. Well, the, the part that you're missing in that photo of the sky is that there, there are a bunch of surveillance satellites that he actually caught. You know, he timed it so he'd catch the surveillance satellites overhead. But these people are like, it's a picture of the sky. I don't get it. Right. But then on the on the flip side, you get these people like, oh, it's amazing. The graininess of seeing Area 51. And, you know, so I, I, I would imagine, yeah, it's probably a really, really good scenario for you to, to do yeah. those. And Amazon's the way to go. Yeah. Well. I mean, it, 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 it's a very funny. inexpensive. The thing is, I can do, I can do. If you can do layout, I, I can do layout myself. You know, so I mean, what they want you to do is hire them to do it. But if you do it yourself, yeah. it's very, it's very inexpensive to self-publish a book. It really is. You know, then it's just a it question is. of how do you promote, how do you promote it? You know, that's the, that's the, that's the tough part. Not doing the book. You know, it's, uh, you know, getting it, getting it out there, mm-hmm. getting people aware. Well, of it. well, I'll tell you what, the. You know, we we are on the cusp of uh, publishing our summer issue. You heard yeah. our our witty banter. <clears throat> yeah. You know what? I I don't know about rum. I've I've always loved your stuff. I mean, it's some of it is a little strange, but I like it. You know, I like the strangeness yeah. of it. If if you can make something that we can put in there, we'll put it in there. Just send I'd it love to. Me. to. Yeah. Yeah. I just need it in PDF. Yeah, just give us a make an ad, you know, and we'll put it in there. Yeah, make an ad. Yeah, just to help out because you know what? If nothing else, I, I understand people's reticence to buy this stuff because, yeah. as you said, you know, you you don't want a picture of Ted Kaczynski, you know, hanging over your bed, right? Yeah. Although in the bathroom, it might be fun, but <laughs> I mean, I would. I, I've always, that's me. I, I would too. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I've always wanted a, a velvet painting of Elvis in my bathroom, but I've never found the right one yet. I need that one from, from, uh, you know, Aloha on satellite or whatever, when he did the Aloha yeah. special, when he's in the jumpsuit, yeah. but <clears throat> yeah, but you know, I understand the reticence to buy it, to hang on the wall. I get it. Yeah. But you know, the pe- people are obviously fascinated by it. So, you know, if, if we can, if we can help out and, and get some people to get the coffee table book, I'm, I'm all over it. So just send me an ad and we'll put it in. All right. That'd be For great. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So you know what's on the cover of my book? What? 
Wow. A, a plane crash. <laughs> oh yeah. You know. So my you father know, took this I'm, photograph I'm... of a plane crash, and and it's these two guys, these businessmen, strapped in their seat, dead, sitting in their in their in the in the muck of a Boston harbor, and that's the cover of my book. Wow, that's powerful. That's yeah, a, it was one of those things powerful. that um, nobody, no, uh, the Boston Globe didn't were not or they were not gonna they were not gonna publish the photograph because it was too gruesome. Right. And the wire, the wire services picked it up. The AP picked it up and it went all over the world and it became the iconic photograph of this plane crash. And so they, uh, they then put it on the front page and he won all these awards for it. So that's why I'm a weirdo gentleman. I thought, you know, like when I was a little (laughs) kid, when I was a little boy, I was five years old. Right. uh, My father had won this major photo award, so we had this gruesome photograph, like in a in a trophy frame on the wall. You know, this plane crash. I get it. (laughs) So I grew up with that stuff. You know. Mm -hmm. You know. You know, we we all arrive where we're at in this stuff because of something that happened like that. You know, I I arrived where I'm at in this stuff because of you know because of where I come from. So it, we all get here in similar ways. So I get it. I totally get it. <coughs> That's but, a powerful you know, photo. Though. But but another thing though, too, is like some of the, uh, like low nuts or Illuminati series that you did as well. I can see them being like t-shirts. Like I, I, yeah. I'd buy those t-shirts yeah. seriously. For sure. So you should think about uh, doing something like that. You've thought about yeah. it, you, Robert? Yeah. Well, well I'll tell you what. We'll, 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 we'll talk about it because, you know, I I know I know how to do some of that stuff if you don't. Yeah. So we can figure it out. Yeah. 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 But it's, you know, the, the internet is, is, uh, I think it's actually been a really good thing for artists because it, it took Less them out the of the show cycle. The gallery system is dying. The gallery system is, you know, people are going online. People are selling art online yeah. and, and mm-hmm. doing it. They're doing it, you know? Right. Um, so, and that's great because yeah. the gallery system was broken. It, it was very broken. broken. Yeah. It is very broken. But it's, it's you know, it's liberating for you as an artist to say, hey, you know, maybe my subject matter isn't for everybody, but somebody out there likes this stuff, and at least now I have a medium by which I can get it out there. It's not suppressed. I would, I would like so to keep that. doing books. I, I would, I would like to do the books too. Mm-hmm. I would. I'd like to keep doing. You that. should. You should. You because, really should. Yeah, it's a niche. You're creating a niche, and uh, yeah. that's something that. You know, there's something about that type of um, subject matter that people would like say, hey, check this out, you know, and pass it on to somebody physically as opposed to, oh, I want to show you something on the Internet. Yeah, th- yeah. there's there's a there's a difference. And that's why I think paranoia is such that we sell uh, more hard copy magazines than we do digital. Isn't that correct, Olaf? Because people absolutely. Like to like, wow, check this out, you know, kind of like sort of a clandestine, subversive way. 
oh, I, I know for a fact that it's like that. I've, I've talked to people who shall remain nameless, but you know who you are, and I know you listen. <clears throat> they will actually buy copies of the magazine and pass them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and when I first took over Paranoia, you know, I'm I'm an engineer, right? And when I took over yeah. Paranoia, you know, I'm a pragmatic, a utilitarian type of guy, and so except for art. And so, I um, I thought to myself, you know, Kindle's really big. People seem to dig it. I'm gonna just publish it digitally. It's going to take a lot of the pain out of it for me. And so I did. And the sales sucked. And, you know, I don't do it for the money, but the sales sucked. I mean, you want people to buy it, right? You put went to the trouble to make it. You want somebody to buy it. I switched yeah. to hard copy. Much, much better. Because huh. I think people need to hold it. There's a, as you yeah. said, there's a, yeah. a clan, subversive clandestineness. The mm-hmm. touching it and the holding it, yeah, the, the, tact- tactile the tactile sensation of it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, Ron, you got that one right. Yay! I, I'm a winner. What do I get? Do I get? Uh, a you get the beauty of. Oh yeah. You get the beauty of hanging out with me because I'm so awesome. Speaking of awesome. Yeah. Uh, do we have a subscription now to Paranoia Magazine? Well, let's finish talking to Robert, and then we can get to the subscription part. We still have oh, to I'm give sorry. him the I'm part, the part of the show where he he sh- shows himself and hypes the crap out of everything that you could possibly buy. That's Robert Preston's. Stuff. Okay, well, so I Robert, am in the pro- go for it. I am in the process of redesigning my website. Um, I haven't done it yet, but I am doing it. But I do have a website, and it's 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 robertprestonart.com. So I would encourage people to go check out my website. The and art, the books, book they're all there. I have a book on Amazon called Question Everything, which is my okay. motto. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. All right. Well, Very thank succinct. you. Thank you so much for coming on. You know, it, it was interesting to hear about your motivation and to go through the process with you. But also more than that is to understand the impact that it has on you. Cause I, I don't think a lot of times, you know, I, when I've been to shows, you know, people live vicariously through the artist, And yeah. so they'll talk to the artist and they want to know every terrible thing that ever happened to you that made you want to paint that. And, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, that we got to understand without being invasive, which they are at shows, understand yeah. how you got here and, and why you do it and how it happens. Because to me, how it happens is actually more important than asking you 29 questions on, on what your childhood was like. So <laughs> right. That was very nice. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I had a, I Ron? did an artist talk. Actually, it's on my it's on my Facebook somewhere. I, I did a an hour like that. We flipped up the uh, the like a Facebook movie kind of thing, and I did an artist uh-huh. talk. And I did have a woman. I had a woman come after me, basically asking me if I was a ghoul. You know, like why are you painting cool. this? Are you you get off on dead bodies and 
and <laughs> people just they attacked her. they savaged her you know other right. other people that were in the, in the audience and i was like no it's a valid question you know it's an absolutely right. valid question you know? mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> all right now the part where we get to show yes yeah, ron we have subscriptions now we have subscriptions now uh you can go on our patreon um, if you go on our Patreon and sign up, uh, it's all there. And we just use Patreon to, uh, figure it out. Uh, cause mm-hmm. the subscription thing is very, very, uh, difficult to manage. So we just do it through Patreon. Right. If you're active on Patreon, when we put an issue out, you get the issue. It's that simple. No arguments. Um, we always aim to publish at least three times a year. Mm-hmm. Um, we try to shoot for four. But we do uh, ask for your patience because we are a small operation. And we are, although the content is excellent, uh, you know, we do get busy with other stuff. Um, We are legitimately researchers. Ron is legitimately a mind control uh, expert. I'm a secret space program kind of guy, exotic aircraft, uh, weird history stuff. Because, yes, I actually went to university and... um, I studied archaeology, anthropology, and primatology, so I actually have a scientific basis for saying what I say. Anyway, but yes, go to Patreon. It's cheap. It's super uber cheap. Uh, made sure there was a discount, and there's some incentives uh, to uh, signing up. And, of course, tell everybody about the podcast. Yeah, and you're going to be at Contact in the Desert at the end of May with Walter Bosley. You'll be... Uh hanging out with Clyde Lewis and I at the ground zero table. So that'll be fun. Yes. Special guest star, uh, Walter Bosley. He will have books, which is rare for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he will have books there. In fact, uh, I'm going to buy my, uh, my copy of his new book, mm-hmm. uh, there so I can make him write shit in it. Uh, oh. I don't know. I have a thing for having autograph books. I don't know why <laughs> you, you want to know a funny, funny thing since this is a podcast pseudo radio what? Ron I have I have every one of Art Bell's books signed except for the global coming superstorm oh yeah wow but I have every other Art Bell book signed by Art Bell that's crazy so you actually I don't know why. Uh, had him sign it or you just bought no signed copies I bought I bought it signed but it's but I have Two, two different versions of the art of talk. I have the original version and then the other version. You know what I actually have that, that was Art Bell's that's the craziest thing in my entire library? And you know, you've seen it. You know my library is quite large. Yes, very extensive. <laughs> I, have a, I have a shed for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's huge. I, I don't know. It's 10 by 10. It's not that huge. Okay. I don't... <laughs> I... I lucked out one day. I was on a Libris and I lucked out one day and I actually bought, I have two copies of, of left at Eastgate because I had bought it because I wanted to read it. But then I was on a Libris and I actually bought Art Bell's copy of left at Eastgate. And there's a letter from the, the publicist to art and Ramona in it. (laughs) How's that for weird? Hey, that's worth money, man. Yeah. Worth something. Well, I also I also have an original copy of the uh the original Bob Lazar mo- movie uh written by the screen or the uh script done by uh, Gene Huff. That's cool. 
So, yeah. Anyway, you can find us on Facebook, Paranoia Magazine. Instagram is Paranoia Mags. You can follow my misadventures. I'm going to be starting up my road trips again soon to uh, weird places and Cold War archaeology sites. I love radar ba- old abandoned radar bases. And uh, we're on Twitter uh, on Paranoia Mag. Hey, I think that's it, Ron. Well, I, I'm still wanting to know, are we going to do like a Camp Paranoia thing this summer? I'm going to try. Yeah. I'm going to try. Remember, because Bigfoot there, are, there, are actual, there are real people that want to go to this. Real people. Bigfoot has been, Bigfoot has been seen within a mile of Camp Paranoia. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you this. There, there are two weird things about that land. Uh-huh. Uh, number one, there is a place on it where trees fell down and formed a perfect square. That is now, definitely I'm a, I'm a sign. A, That's a sign, dude. Yeah. Now I'm a I'm an outdoorsy kind of guy. If the Carhartt and all that crap didn't prove it, I can throw a tomahawk and and I can survive on my wits alone. But. I have never in my entire life, and I lived at a Boy Scout camp for three months and taught wilderness survival and camping and stuff. I have never in my whole life seen law, seen trees fall to form a perfect square. Yeah. In my entire life. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the other thing that's very bizarre about that place mm-hmm. is that it, it has like a time vortex. And I, I can't explain it to you. You just kind of have to go. Yeah, but basically you'll go there and you'll be like, "Oh, I've been here," and this has happened to me every time I've gone there. Oh, I've been here for what? Probably like I don't know, two hours or something. Yeah. No, dude, it was like seven hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was trippy. like two hours. It was like seven hours. Yeah. For real. I, I would say there's like a portal or a vortex there, dude. There's a vortex, I think. Yeah. Bet and you I think the vortex heavy, is heavy the tree deposits. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to. Yeah, it's all bedrock. Yeah. We're going to have to do it's some analysis, man. It's on the side of a mountain. Mm-hmm. So it's up at, uh, I want to say it's up about 5,000 or six, no, maybe five or 6,000 feet. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's a weird place. I dig it. I love well, it. it. But it's it, a perfect it, place for Camp Paranoia. I mean, come on. It does have a bit of a slope. So we'll have to figure that part out. But uh, we'll anyway, just, yeah, we'll make up for it. Yeah, it's three acres in the forest. What can mm-hmm. you ask for? All right. So I, I think we've reached that time again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron. I'd like to say to y'all, take good care and keep the faith. And as I like to say, uh, be excellent to one another. And remember, wherever you go, there you are. Thanks, guys. Another podcast soon. Right on. Attention, attention. Message one. A-S space U-E space D-M uppercase Z L-E-N space P-S-E-A-G. 
We're in space, and space is the place, huh? Dig it. Thank you for listening to Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. Sponsored by Paranoia Magazine. Read it now. Paranoiamagazine.com Intro theme, The Guide, is composed by Scott Moon. ScottMoon.net Outro theme, Fighting Trousers, is by Professor Elemental. ProfessorElemental.com Voiceover written and performed by Mr. Lobo, host of Cinema Insomnia. Watch new episodes on OSI 74. Visit us at OSI74.com We are resuming control. For now.